0: Praise God, and I'm just so honored. I'm so honored that um, that I'm able to stand up here. And you know, we all got a story. We all came from places. I heard last night something I'm going to just repeat. You know, I once was a hopeless dope fiend, and now I'm a dopeless hope fiend. I love it, man. In Jesus, right? Thank God. And so, um, you know, and it's just such an honor, Pastor Dan. The last I don't know a few months. Um, has been journeying with the, the Holy Spirit and revelation. And some of the things have just been really wrecking me, in a good way, blown my mind. Um, it's changed, and I think we've we've been slaying a few sacred cows around here too, which isn't bad, right? We need to slay a few more, but um, it's just such an honor and, and such a privilege. And i got to say, this journey of faith with you has been fascinating and fun, and it's... Um, It's just an honor. I just want to say that. So good morning. You know, I love you guys, and thank you, and I'm honored to be here. And um, I I want to start, and I said get your head in the game. I want to start by literally with saying, you see this, get thee behind me, Satan. We've all heard that in Matthew, and we're going to go and look at that and go down a, a little path. But I'm reading this book right now. It's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a He's a psychoneuroimmunologist, among other things. Uh, Jim Miner probably knows what that is. He's probably about the only one that knows. Anyway, big dude, big degrees, doctor. And one of the studies I found fascinating was a a study that was conducted in Japan, and it's a study called a nocebo. We've heard of placebo, right, which is Latin to please. And nocebo is Latin to do harm. And this nocebo was done. And I just want to share the power of sometimes what our minds are capable of as we look at this scripture and we, we look at getting our head in the game. Uh, he conducted, there was a study done in Japan with highly allergic men and women, to poison ivy. And the doctors brought them in and decided to tell them they were going to test the measures of their allergies to see if they're getting better or worse, they need to increase medications, things like that. And so they took the patients and they took the plant leaves and, of course, um, this first plant that they introduced was not poison ivy, and it looked like it. It was a harmless plant. And they told them that it was poison ivy. And they wanted to see the size of their rash, so they rubbed it on their arm. And then they actually took poison ivy as a control. And on their other arm, they said, um, this is a harmless plant. And we're using this as a control. And they rubbed that on their other arm. Well, 100% of the people that thought that they were getting the poison ivy broke out into a rash a full rash. 11 out of 13 had no reaction to the actual poison ivy, highly allergic. So what does this mean? Well, it means a lot of things and they went on further the book's fascinating if if you're into that stuff I love it. But it means a lot of things. One is that a lot of times what we think Um, really does have an impact, not on just our physical bodies, but everything we do. You know, I'm always reminded of in Joshua, uh, after Moses dies, and, and, and God says, listen, my servant Moses is dead, but you're up to bat. I need you. He said, I need you to step up to the plate and hit this home run. I need you to get your head in the game. I know you loved Moses. I know you followed him. He was, your, he was your teacher and all that, but he's gone. I need you. Step up to the plate. Get your head in the game. Right? Are, you, are you guys all right with that? Yeah. So, so let's go to get thee behind me, Satan. I want to read this and start to unpack this a little bit and then go some, some places. I am going to take a look at a few words oftentimes that I, I think that because of the flawed meaning, it's taken us down some paths um, and, and we've believed some things that possibly we shouldn't believe, and, and, and that's a real, real dangerous thing when that happens. So let's go to Matthew here. He said, he said to, to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven, I want to stop here. He said, you are blessed right now. You are hearing something from a life source I need you to pay attention to. You are blessed and you're hearing this from my father. In fact, your flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. When we go to the Old Testament, in the early writings, the nefesh literally was the life source or the blood, and then it transitioned into ruach, and we see a lot of things through translations and throughout the Bible, but he, re- he makes it really clear, listen, your, your flesh and blood didn't tell you this. It didn't reveal any of that. This came straight from the life source called my father, and because you listen and are in contact and in touch with the father, you're blessed you're blessed. That's a blessing. Go ahead. And I say to you that, Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Church. The church is the ecclesia. It's a, an assembly of citizens. It's not a building. It's nothing to do with a building. In fact, it is an assembly of citizens belonging to a king and a kingdom. Amen. We are the church, the ecclesia or ecclesia. That is who we are. He said, blessed are you because you're talking to my father, you're receiving, you're listening to him. And because that, I'm going to build a church with people that do this, that are going to be blessed. I'm going to build what I need to build, I'm going to call it my church, with people that hear from my father, that listen to my father. And it's going to be a blessing. And this church that I'm going to build of these people that listen to my father the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, now, Hades is a reference to the grave and to death, not hell, although sometimes we throw that in there, and oftentimes we you know, make things up and we throw things in there we don't understand, and, and Dan can deal with this later because I'm going to tell you some things that I'm probably going to get get confusing. And so I'll let Dan clean up all my messes. I'm going to take you to Tampa to get you back here to Sarasota. But um, he didn't say hell. And and in fact, he he never even said I came to, he he didn't say, my name's Jesus. I'm here to crush hell. He, He said, I'm here to conquer death and bring life and life in abundance. It's a life death issue. I'm here all about life death, all about it. You're filter of that paradigm that we filter everything to, heaven, hell, actually comes from a whole nother tree, and that's a whole nother story. But that heaven, hell means I got to do something to get there, to get somewhere and away from here, and that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to conquer death and bring you life, and life in abundance. And so this is talking about the grave, which is a reference to death. He says, I'm going to build a people that listen to me and death's not going to have any authority anymore. Death's no longer going to come in. Why is that important? Well, it's real important because we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to understand where death entered the picture. And we're going to take a look at that, but finish the scripture. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. I want to talk about this another time about earth and heaven too because it's fascinating when we start to look at scripture. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Don't you like Jesus? He does exactly what everyone in the church, in the modern day church, doesn't do. He, he raises the dead and he says, don't tell anyone I healed you. Don't tell anyone. He's like, don't shh, be very, very quiet. We're like, man, we healed someone. Get on Facebook now, man. Tell everyone the anointing's here. We healed people. Are raised from that. We're, tell the crowds to come. Jesus is like, man, don't tell anyone. <laughs> he didn't want people chasing the manifestation of the goodness of God. He wanted them to be present with God and that's something else. So go ahead, go to the next thing. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised upon the third day. So Jesus seeing Peter, hearing from his father, said, man, he's in the flow. Listen, I need to take Peter a little deeper. Why? Because he's hearing from the father. He's blessed. He's blessed. This is what I need Peter to do. I need him to hear from the Father because I got some other things I want to share with him. And so he starts sharing this with Peter. And Peter, you know, Peter's really good. Go to the next scripture. Peter took his aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Not on my watch. He's saying, look, look, all that nonsense you're talking now, ain't going to happen. Not on my watch. I got a sword. I got an AK. We'll ride and die together. I'm not letting them kill you at all. Right, And so what does Jesus say to Peter? He said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. So did he just spark a tail with a pitchfork and red ears? What happened to Peter? He turned right into Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Other translation says, for you are thinking the thoughts of man, of flesh and blood. So Satan now becomes the thoughts of flesh and blood. He said, blessed if you're thinking and talking to my father who's in heaven. In fact, if you get to that place where you depend on the here, present, now, God, if that's what you're feeding and feasting on, death doesn't even have authority over you. However, if you're thinking thoughts of men in flesh and blood, you are the thoughts of Satan. See, we give the devil so much credit, right? Anyone like me? Oh it's the devil's attacking me it's my job it's my wife it's my family it's my health it's the devil and he's behind this bush and he's behind that tree and I'm casting him out here and I'm doing and we sit there listen I want you to know if the devil could kill you he would have been done that Amen. The Bible even says he's already been judged I don't know why we keep telling everyone how powerful death and the devil is. If he could hurt you or kill you, would have been done that long ago. I'd be talking to empty chairs here. He he doesn't have any of that kind of power. Why do we give it? And I'm talking to me too, so don't get me wrong here. Don't misunderstand for a minute that, that I'm not talking to me first. Why do we give him so much power? Especially when Jesus says... Here's where Satan's at. Satan is right here. Man, quit looking behind the bush and the boss. and every, You better go right here where he's at and, and deal with those thoughts of men. Skip behind me, Satan. Is that all right? You guys all right with that? I, w- I want to take a look at I want to go from, from there and I want to I pivot for a minute. And um, I want you to just kind of think about that and, and know that That Satan, if he did have the power to kill you, he would. And that if we get our head in the game, and if we're communicating with the present now God, living God in us, that we will be blessed. That because of that connection and communication with the living God, we're blessed. Sometimes it's hard to understand these things. And I want to just encourage you today, Really, to not sweat understanding as much as just believing. I need you to today because so many things get very, very hard to understand in the natural. You know, the whole Godhead gets hard to understand in the natural. All kinds of things. But Jesus didn't ask us to understand. In fact, in Proverbs 16, 2 and 3, he said, commit your works to me. I'll establish your thoughts. You just believe in me right now. I'm going to catch your mind up later. I will establish your thoughts. He said, just I need you to believe right now. Don't get too caught up in understanding. We get really caught up in understanding. We can believe without fully understanding. I believe in grace gravity. Um, I don't understand it. I'm not sure if it's a push or a pull, if it's the earth or planets or something. I really don't care to understand. I just believe it. I don't jump off buildings thinking I can float home like Mary Poppins and act like it's not there. I believe that it really exists, although I don't understand. I want you today to just believe. Jesus said that for whoever believes, and that's what I want you to get because we're going to go to the core of this. Go to Matt four one, Matthew four one. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew four one and Luke four one share this experience. Jesus has this experience where the clouds, are, heavens are opened up, and the Father looks down and He says, "Jesus." This is my son. I am so pleased in him. Well pleased. Love him. Now Jesus hadn't preached, teach, walked on water, raised the dead. No miracles. None of that happened. God opened up the heavens, affirmed him, said, I love him. This is my boy. I love him and and I'm pleased in him. And then the the dove ascended, we we know the story, and then the the heavens closed up, and, and God went like that, and gave him a swift kick to the backside, and said, Jesus, get out there. Right, and he threw him in the ring with Mike Tyson. Now listen, he threw him in the wilderness, God did that, God led him into the wilderness. This is a parallel of the whole Uh, people of Israel when they got freed from Egypt. This is a parallel, only this is a success story. This is a story of Jesus going into the wilderness, God making him go out there to fight the world champion. Because the devil hadn't lost. He had home field advantage. He hadn't lost any fight. In fact, he'd beat everyone that tried, beginning with Adam. And then God said, I am pleased, I love you, Jesus, now get in the ring. He didn't go to Pop Warner and practice, he didn't do enough. God said, it's for the title, and it's right now, I need your head in the game, game on. It wasn't the devil that let him in there, it was God that let him in there. Sometimes our greatest challenges, some of our biggest struggles, some of our, 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 the, some of our hardest things we're blaming on the devil when we should be celebrating the oneness of God and knowing, God, I've got this. I'm going to get my head in the game. God, I know this is your foot pushing me into this fight. So what did the devil try and do? He does what he does with all of us. In Luke, it says he tempted him with everything. The devil hit him with everything possible. He came out with the three-piece of the grill, bam, 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 tried to go uppercuts. He did everything he could. He started, and I, I listed three of them that, that you can look in Matthew that really hit me all the time. <clears throat> in, in Matthew 4, 3, he hits them with food. <clears throat> I love food a lot. I honor my taste buds. I love food. Listen, so Jesus was hungry, right? And sometimes we get tempted... And, and the enemy went, came after him where it really counts. He was really hungry, and he came after him with food. I get really cranky if I don't eat, and sometimes I'm, I'm not, you know, focused and present with God. My, my kids call it something different. They'll be like, Dad, why are you so mean? So the enemy came at him with every temptation, and, and, he, and the hunger thing, sometimes for me, I have to be very, very careful to lose my head and focus with the present God, with communicating with God because I'm hungry. He comes at him next and he, and he goes down with physical safety. And he says, listen, you know, the angels will rescue you. You won't hurt yourself. You know, he goes straight at the core. Maslow's hierarchy of needs starts with literally with the basic core needs, breathing, water, food, shelter, love. He goes right to the core and he, and he addresses and tempts them at the body level, at the basic need. And then he goes from there and he goes right to greed. He said, look, I'm going to give you all this if you'll just worship me. I'm going to give you New York and Paris... I'm gonna give you four knocks and every all the gold and all I'm gonna give it all to you because it's been given to me. I'm gonna give it to you if you just do that. He went right to the greed. Sometimes a lot of our fights and challenges are as simple as the temptations that God needs us to hear his voice in. See, God wants us in the moment of this challenge and fight not to go to the past or the future, but to bend on him. See, in the wilderness, when they were when they were freed from Egypt. They started to bless God and sing about God, and and then something happened. They went back to their past. In fact, the Bible says that they died in the desert, and God was very hurt by that. It angered him. It was a righteous anger because they weren't supposed to die in the desert. Right? They were In fact, the clothes never wore out. The shoes never wore out. The cloud by day was keeping them cool. The fire by night warm. The food was coming. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Had they eaten me and believed, they would not have died. So what does God say they died from? An evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart. Listen, Satan's, I I get all that and and people are thinking, well, yeah, evil things happen. How can you explain all this and the devil and he's behind bushes and I get it. I get it. Let me tell you this. Bad things do happen. Evil stuff does happen. But the Bible says all evil flows through the heart of man. God said they died in the desert because of the evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is the root that taints the heart. It is the very root cause of all evil. It's the opposite of faith and belief. So, see, we want to give this word sin uh, a never-ending list of do's and don'ts. In fact, sin just literally means to miss the mark. So we'll go ahead and kill that cow right now. sin is not armed robbery or rape. Is that terrible and evil? Yes. But sin literally means to miss the mark. It literally means to miss the mark. And so what mark did they miss? And so we got to go all the way back to Genesis. In fact, go to Luke 6.45 first. The good... Man, out of the good treasures of his hearts, bring forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Go to Hebrews. So we see that we were not able to enter because of unbelief. They died in the desert that they weren't supposed to because they had an evil heart of unbelief. Evil flows from the heart and we know that that is the root of all sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53 and 54 says death is sin. And the sting of death and the power of sin is the law. It's the list... In the prophecy, it says, I'm going to take those laws, I'm going to put them on your heart. I'm going to take them off of tablet, I'm going to put them on your heart. Why? Because through the heart, good things flow. You're going to fill this because I'm going to put it in there, and through that, good things are going to flow. Without faith and belief and understanding that, unbelief and evil resides. It's not about the list of right, wrong, good, and bad. In fact, we're going to talk about that. It's about a heart that's either believing with faith in God or unbelieving. And because of all that, that's when the problems begin. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says that because of Jesus Christ and his spirit, that death has been abolished and he brought forth life immortal and incorruptible. And he says further, this is the gospel. This is the good news that he's abolished death. What's the last enemy that Jesus conquered? death. The last enemy was death that he conquered. He said he conquered death, he abolished it, and he brought forth life and life immortal, incorruptible. This is the gospel. And Paul goes on further and he says, listen, anyone that even preaches something different, I curse them. Don't confuse this. Don't confuse this with other things. I I came to bring life and life in abundance and I conquered death. And we are a new species, a new creation in him. We're not an old Adam tightened up, learning how to live better. That was all done away with. It was brought down. It was eliminated. We died with the last Adam and we raised up as new creation to be life-giving spirits. So, so let's, go to, let's go to Genesis. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. This is the first reference to death that we have. And it started in Genesis. God said, there's a tree of life that you can eat of freely and live abundant life. He said, there's this other tree that once you eat of it, you're going to die. Once you eat of this tree, you're going to die. And Adam and Eve we went about their happy day eating of the tree of life feasting on the goodness of God, believing and having faith that what he said was actually true until one day a serpent uh, came up and and tricked them. Really got their mind thinking, I need you to get your head in the game because the serpent presented something that made them question what God had told them. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan for your thoughts are the thoughts of men. See, they had the thought of God and trusted in him and feasted on life until the serpent said, listen, you can eat of that tree. He just doesn't want you to because in that day you're going to be like him. And as soon as they listened to that, unbelief entered their heart. They unbelieved God's word. And they ate of the fruit before they even went to the tree. They actually ate the fruit before they ate the fruit by unbelieving what was true, by unbelieving believing the word of the living God. They went from hearing God and living in life to unbelieving what God said and choosing a tree of death. 1 Corinthians 15 says that death is sin. In that moment of unbelief, all evil was birthed and sin began. Sin was the absence of faith and belief in God's word. Sin missed the mark. When they sinned the tree they were supposed to hit, they missed and hit that tree. They missed the mark and all evil and all death entered humanity. It wasn't there until then. Do I want you to follow good morals and values and do the right thing? Yes, I do. You know, the Bible says all things are permissible, not all things are profitable. <laughs> right? You can drive 100 miles an hour, it's permissible, it just might not be profitable. You might have to give Caesar his due a little bit, right? So I want you to think about that, but I want you to not confuse the fact that that he had conquered everything and when he said it was finished he meant it. See the the problem in some of the blessings that we have with understanding and seeing back thousands of years two separate covenants and what Jesus brought is it's easy to mix them up and conv- and conflate them together. It's easy because because the covenant he brings is a promise of the father and it's already happened. The enemy has been defeated. Death has been conquered, and everything he promised throughout the Old Testament, everything he promised has been kept. Promise given, promise kept, and now we're inheritors. We're inheritors of the very promise of all the good news. What is the good news? Death abolished, life immortal in Christ. Anything else? Anything else? Get behind me, Satan, for your thoughts are the thoughts of men. There's one scripture I want to... What time is it? All right. I want to to share this scripture with you. I don't think I gave it to the screen, but... You can go to Habakkuk and, and, and look at that while I'm finding this. Go to Habakkuk. I got that on the screen. You guys can chew on that for a minute. Let me go to John... For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do you know what God's glory was? In John we hear, John says that, that uh, Jesus, the word became flesh, which was Jesus. And Jesus, that flesh, we, we beheld his glory. And that glory was what? Grace and truth. And it was 100%. It says it was full grace, and truth. So the old prophet is saying, listen, there's going to be a time when my people hear my voice and the knowledge of that glory of grace and truth. That knowledge is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. There's going to be a day Promise made, promise kept. The day is now. See, oftentimes we're waiting for something and giving credit to an old enemy that's been defeated that has no authority or power, and we're waiting on something that's already happened. See, the new covenant and everything Jesus did has already been finished. We get to, by believing, one word, by believing, undo everything unbelief created, which was sin and death. And by one word, Jesus said, all I need to do to reverse all that is you believe in me. Don't understand it all. Just believe in me. And then the knowledge of that glory one day is going to cover the earth. That's good stuff. So get behind me, Satan. What he's saying is get your head in the game. Listen to that ever present, constant God in you. See, The Bible says that he's taken up his residence in us. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, Father, I'm in you, you're in me, and they're in us. We are the complete Godhead in bodily form, the deity, it says, in bodily form. Oftentimes we keep looking to the past or to the future for the answers that's present right now with the living God if we will hear him. Blessed are those that are communicating with the living God right now. It's so easy for us to think about the past or the future, blame everything on the devil that has no authority, and Jesus says your thoughts are the thoughts of men. Satan. So, so I want to go to John here. He, John, when Lazarus dies, you know, he, he goes to, to, and we know this story, Martha and Mary, the, the sisters. As soon as Jesus gets on the scene, she says to Lazarus, and this is in John 11, Martha, therefore, when she heard Jesus was coming, went to meet him, Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So I want you to know that this happens to me all the time and it happens to all of us and it's a discipline to hear the Father's voice, to stay in the present, life-giving spirit right now, here and now. Because it's easy to say, Jesus, if you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. If my dad would have been here, if he would have been there, I wouldn't be where I'm at. If my mom would have died, I wouldn't be a messed up kid. If I would have got that job, if I would have married the right woman, if I, and we go there all the time, right? If all this would have been different, I'd be straight today. And, and Jesus looks at her because that's what we do, and that's where the mind of Christ comes in, taking on and being transformed by that renewing. That's where that comes in. And Jesus, what does he say to her? He says, your brother's going to rise again. And she goes, yeah, yeah, he is. I know that. He's going to rise again on the last day of the resurrection. She does what we do. We go to the future now, right? So she goes from the past, and she says, no, yeah, he's going to rise again in the future, in the days of resurrection. If I could only just get that college degree, if I could get that different job, if I live in Paducah instead of Sarasota, if I'm around this area, we do that all the time. If only this happens, I'm going to be really great too, right? So, so if, as soon as Jesus cleared up the past, we can't blame it on that anymore, so we go to the future. So if I can't blame it on the past, I'm to, he's saying, man, get behind me Satan. Get your head in the game. It's a here and present." So look what Jesus says to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, it's not about your past and it's not about the future. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Now, Lazarus had died. He who believes in me, listen what Jesus says next on verse 26, John chapter 11. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So he says to her, I know your brother died. I am the resurrection. This is here and now present power of Jesus Christ. I am the one. It's not the past. It's not the future. If you'll get your head in the game right now and hear what I'm saying, your brother will rise. Because he died, he's going to rise again. And he did. And he said, but to you, because you still live and believe, you're never going to die. And what's he say after that? He goes, Martha, can you believe this? So often we want to take our focus off of what it needs to be, which is the present living God that's in us. So often we want to hear from our past or our future, from the Thoughts of men from our flesh, from some of the temptations, and then we want to blame it on the devil, give him all the credit because he's so powerful, and and not really take responsibility for listening to our Father. See, something really happened when I say promise made, promise kept, that you need to understand so that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. See, Jesus walked with all the disciples for three years, raised the dead, preached, did the best sermons, the best teachings forever. He did all of that, and they walked with him for three years and loved him, right? They loved him. And then as soon as he got taken away, they denied him. I mean, in minutes, minutes, they were just walking on water, raising the dead. Whoa. And then Jesus gets taken away. you are like, I don't know him. They're cowering to a little girl. Think about yourself in this. Think about hanging out with someone for three years, walking on water, raising the dead, fish coming out of the sky, whatever, all the miracles. They said, you couldn't even fill all the libraries on the planet if we recorded all the things we've seen. They were with him this whole time. And as soon as he was gone, as soon as he was gone, they denied him. See, a lot of times we see things, but we never enter in. And, and here's where I'm getting at. Something happened 52 days later where the same person that denied him stood in front of two governments, the world powers, the United States and, and, and Russia, and looked up straight in the face and said, you killed Jesus, and he was king. Caesar's not king. Jesus Christ is king. He told the Romans, and he told the Jewish people, Jesus Christ, king of kings, You killed him. He committed treason. He put a death warrant right on his face. 52 days later, after cowering to a little girl, he boldly stands in front of two of the greatest governments on earth. What happened? Here's what happened. Promise made, promise kept. Jesus said, I know you don't want me to leave. I know you don't want me to leave. I get that, but it's going to be better for you because I'm going to send you a promise been talked about for thousands of years. I'm going to send you a promise, and that promise is never going to leave you or forsake you. That promise is going to teach you all things. If you'll listen to him, you'll be blessed. If you'll touch in agreement with him, if you'll listen and look at him day and night, if you'll sup with him, you are going to be blessed. If you listen to your flesh and the thoughts of men, the lofty ideals, the wisdom and knowledge of the world, Get behind me, Satan. The promise of the Father, and he sent in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit to never leave us or forsake us. So the challenge today is get your head in the game. Stop giving the enemy credit for things. Know that oftentimes it's God himself pushing you into the ring because he needs to teach you to be present with his life and his goodness right in that moment. That's what the whole wilderness experience was about, was being taught of God. They were fed, they were clothed, they were given every provision, life-giving provision, and all they worried about were leaks and other food and why they left. And they kept failing the test and the temptation where Jesus never took his eyes off the ever-present God in us. Jesus never wavered. He stayed present with the provision of the living God that's in us right now that'll never leave you or forsake you, macho. In all the temptations, don't give credit to the enemy. In fact, the enemy has been defeated and judged. He's been defeated and judged. And it's the power of the living God in you. If you'll listen and listen and talk to Him, you'll be blessed. So I'm going to close with... um, I'm going to just close with that the revelation and the knowledge of the glory of God comes through the teaching of the Holy Spirit. The challenges and some of the wilderness experiences that we have right now are an opportunity to trust and look at the Father. To become one with the Father. His life-giving spirit that is in us that will never leave us or forsake us. To walk through. Because God's throwing you in the ring with Mike Tyson sometimes because he needs you to trust in him for all things to get through that. To grow you, to give you more. He needs us all to be the people on the earth that bring the glory of the knowledge of God to everyone around us. And it is death abolished in life Immortal in Christ Jesus the present now living God the promise has been made and the promise is kept And if we'll turn our eyes inward instead of looking for the outside to solve all our problems looking for the devil To solve all our or to cause all the problems and start focusing on the inner God in us we will be blessed blessed are you Simon Peter Is that all right you guys all right with that all right I think I covered it all. Good. Father God, bless your people. Lord God, we just ask that you would open our ears and eyes, that we would see you, Father, that we would hear you more clearly, that the complete God had the Holy Spirit in us would reveal to us the mysteries, the depths and mysteries of your goodness, grace, truth and power. Lord God, we just ask that you would stir us up inside. Give us a hunger to look to you for the answers and solutions for life and life more abundant. To no longer look out in the world and to the the thoughts of men, to no longer trust in that, but to trust and put our faith completely in you. Lord, we speak life and health over Pastor Dan. We speak life and health to his body, that his mortal flesh would be quickened. And we ask, Lord God, that you would just bless him richly, bring him back home to us really quick. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.